You are listening to Around the Block Podcast. Your source of knowledge about Bitcoin, blockchain, and cryptocurrency markets. Presented to you by Yellow Block. Welcome everybody to the first episode of Around the Block. I just want everybody to have a little bit of patience, simply because this is our first episode. So we're going to have a little bit of trial and error based on your feedback. So please let us know on Twitter what you did like and what you did dislike of this podcast. And we will try and make this project absolutely perfect for you. For tonight's host, we have the Crypto Monk, we have Crypto Rangotang, and you have me, which is Teddy. Today, we will be talking about the DeFi mania. We're going to talk about Bitcoin's low volatility and maybe a little bit of the correlation that Bitcoin has with the SP500. And then if we have some time at the end, we will be talking about uh, the new Bitcoin ban in India that might be lifted. So people are speculating that India may become the new sort of haven for cryptocurrencies. Okay, so the first topic of today is a DeFi mania. If you never heard of DeFi, DeFi is essentially the ability of anonymously using financial services without a central party. It allows you to borrow money, you can actually loan money, and you can earn interest on that money. There's been this huge bubble, everybody's talking about DeFi. So, uh, Monk and Crypto Rangatang, what, what do you guys think about the DeFi mania? Is it a bubble? Is it something concrete? Well, what's going to happen next? So, yeah, regarding... Regarding DeFi mania right now, I'm pretty sure it's a mania, uh, basically, um, because there is definitely no uh, not a new influx of uh, interested investors in this. It's purely driven by hype. Uh, also, on top of on top of this, the the whole concept of uh, getting some loans and getting some interest on crypto projects is a bit too complicated for average Joe. I definitely think that we still might need to have some third parties to uh, basically provide this type of services. I don't think we'll, we will be able to get rid of banks just because we have some uh, crypto projects trying to, uh, to, to replace them in every type of services they can provide. And especially this one. Uh, I mean, many people right now and are completely financially illiterate. So to me, there's, there are two ways in which we can look at DeFi. One of them is the the overall concepts of this decentralized finance, which can become huge because uh, a lot of a lot of people, like over three billion people, are unbanked and have no access to traditional finance. So DeFi as a concept is something that could actually be big because uh, you do not need to give your age, your occupation. You don't have to show your financial history to take advantage of uh, products of finance uh, that crypto could could give to you. Uh, but there's also the other side of it, which actually gets more people excited right now, which is the DeFi as in shitcoin pumps, which in my opinion is nothing else but just another trend, short-term trend that makes the uh, coins that are connected in any way to uh, DeFi pump in a way that for now, at least to me, is un unsustainable if if your altcoin goes goes times 10 in a month uh no matter how how significant you think that trend it is there are people that will take in profits so it's important not to get uh, not to get into it too late 
Well, look, I, I agree 100% with what you guys are saying in a sense that, look, the ideas are absolutely great. I do think that people are increasingly trusting less and less banks and people want to be more responsible and independent of their own money and savings. However, as you guys have both mentioned, the technology and the infrastructure is not there yet. Again, I saw a tweet from Kevin Birdsley. He's one of the board members of, of Kraken and he said that he spent $14 to look up uh, $15 worth of Ethereum on Curve Finance, which is a project. And he's going to earn uh, $0.07 cents weekly interest. It's going to take him 177 weeks to break even, which is three and a half years. With regards to the actual mania, um, I do believe that this is more of a DeFi token mania as opposed to a DeFi mania. Why? Simply because um, you don't really hear of people you know, bragging of their gains, of their profits through DeFi services, but people are just promoting the DeFi tokens. So we are essentially using the speculative, speculative side of, of, the, of the DeFi tokens as opposed to the service itself. Aside, something that kind of worries me is the fact that a lot of DeFi projects have insane, insane returns. It's, it kind of reminds me a little bit of BitConnect 2.0, where... A lot of projects are offering, I don't know, like uh, 20, 30, 40% monthly returns or yearly returns. Like, even if it's yearly, like it's it's insane. I, I don't know how you can possibly get those returns without charging insane interest. It, it sounds a bit of a, of a, of a Ponzi, I'm, I'm sure, and I hope that it's not, but that's just my, my cautious side. Yeah, I think I think Sasha Ivanov uh, summarized this pretty well. Uh that he said is that there is no real mechanism that could ensure long-term rates higher than returns from legacy markets because the DeFi should not be about the returns but about the sustainability, flexibility, and accountability, which is which is very true because a lot of people are going to get burned uh, on the current DeFi promises that you know just are, aren't sustainable. I, I think I, if I if I can add something to this, uh, many many of the, the concepts that are basically developed on, on under the DeFi banner are quite interesting. Uh, my only concern is that it's it's basically like a political ideology on the paper. It looks fantastic, but practically when you try it in reality, it's sometimes it can become completely messy. So, so again, it's definitely I drive in right now. It's uh, a pure mania, but well, we are not going to complain about it. I mean, if you are into this market, you you are in it also to um, to to trade it basically to to swing a couple a couple ads and and make a, a few bucks out of it. Uh, but as of now, I think it's almost impossible to say uh, if if it's gonna be a sustainable. Uh, if those are going to be sustainable projects in the future. I, I mean, only the future will tell, but as of now, for me, I think decentralizing financial services is is quite a bit of a, a challenge. It's even more of a challenge than the, the entire concept of uh, digital uh, money. Yeah, I agree. I mean, all, all the like longer consolidation periods for Bitcoin usually were good for alts, and usually all these periods had had some sort of narrative around it, where, where the coins pumped. And this is a good one, uh, as it's one of the few that actually has legs under it. Like this is a concept that should become big going forward. This is what crypto was meant to be, basically, to give the opportunity to the unbanked people. But considering how early we are with DeFi and crypto, 
I believe that the attention that is given to it right now doesn't match the progress that was made up to this point. How long do you guys think until we will have a DeFi mass adopted? And will they replace banks? Or will banks just simply adopt a DeFi sort of service on top of it? Or will they just never really happen in the first place? I think it kind of connects like what is your belief in how significant crypto can be overall, uh, not not just DeFi. Uh, I struggle to find it believable that DeFi can actually take over traditional finance because it's uh, it's such a right now fresh concept and so much unknown uh, around it that it would be outside of like some stupid hope. It's it's stupid to believe that uh, this can actually replace an infrastructure and you know the institutions that have been here for hundreds of years right now and uh, i wouldn't treat it differently than just you know an opportunity to uh, make some profit from another another trend that uh, that twitter and the industry caught up but uh, it's way too early i would probably say years multiple years before it even uh, could grasp some of it uh, some of its potential mm. So right now, I don't think it should be even subject of, of discussion. I mean, it's it's way too early. And uh, if this won't end up in some, as you said, another Bitcoin scams that would get another bad rep to, to the cryptocurrency, uh, it would be already a success, at least, at least for me. Well, I, I agree completely with, uh, with the Rangitang's view on this. Uh, as I said it before, there is no way that this kind of projects at least in the near future are going to replace institutions like it or not but with an institution you have some warranties uh when you sign a contract you have basically uh since you are you're dealing with a third party you have something you have some uh clauses covering your asses in case of things turning wrong turning bad the here it's not the case it's basically completely running uh, on under the the scope of mathematics and and formulas, but it's way too opaque for average Joe to have an idea of uh, where his money is going, basically, and why and how it's possible for him to to get a constant uh, to have a, a constant uh, growing uh, yield that will make him basically prof- profitable and will make him reach. Uh, uh, the break-even point after uh, X weeks, X weeks, for instance. So, well, those things are, in my opinion, far too complicated regarding the the, the state of this space as of now. Because the problem is also with the user experience, because this is something that crypto still struggles with, as in even myself, I'm multiple years already in the industry, and I still pardon my language, shit my pants whenever I send a bigger amount of money to anyone because like the whole process is so complicated that people that are not technically skilled uh, st- won't be able to do it. And the DeFi right now in the current state doesn't solve any of these problems. I mean, the UI is still terrible for all crypto experience. So unless that goes away and crypto will, will be easier to use by the regular people as well, I don't see how this could get any more traction than it does right now as in shit, shit compound. Absolutely, because look, the, the only people that have access to the decentralized services right now are probably nerds like us. You know, I'm pretty sure that my mother will never, you know, put her savings 
on some DeFi project to you know to earn some interest. So yes, we are I think decades away from from this being uh, being used by normies. And you know today we're just speculating on what platform may be the big one. And chances are that it probably is not even here. Yeah, that's basically my point of view as well. Which has nothing to do again with the fundamentals of DeFi. But I still think that the fundamentally it's it's quite a, an utopia to. Uh, to believe that uh, tomorrow it's going to be a service used by average Joe on a daily basis. For somebody who has witnessed a lot of scams happening in the space, as, as anybody here who has been here for a few years, there is something awfully scary about, you know, locking your coins for, for a few months or some projects, even a few years. Will you guys feel more comfortable if you hold lock up your money on big exchanges like Binance or Coinbase? Will you be more trustworthy of locking up? Um, a percentage of your capital there for for loaning purposes not really i wouldn't be able to trust any exchange long term binance has shown in the past that that it has problems and hacks as well uh there is no saying that coinbase wouldn't have those in the future as well so like uh, the more responsibility is in your hands the better uh i wouldn't like to give it out to exchanges and outside third parties for me, it's the same. If I had to choose, I would rather just lock lock up my money on a on a contract without third parties involved, than than just trust an exchange for the, this kind of uh, financial uh, mechanisms. It, it's way too risky. You know, anything could literally happen. One could say that some exchanges are too big to fail, but I mean, we've seen in the past what can happen to even to the to the biggest ones. So, no, it's definitely not something I would do or trust. Okay, so to for our listeners, just to recap quickly what happened with regards to DeFi, I think that we can all agree that we are that the ideas are great. We are vastly too early, and these prices that we are seeing are related to the performance of the speculative asset as opposed to users actually using those DeFi services. For for our next topic, we are, we want to talk a little bit about Bitcoin's volatility, and maybe touch a little bit with the correlation with the SP five hundred. If I can give a quick introduction to the topic, um, I think that we've been for more than 70 days, which is more than two months, we've been ranging, if we have to be generous, between 10 and 8,000. And it's been a very, very long time since we have been ranging in such a tight range. Technically speaking, every time that you have such a narrow range, it is followed by, by a big impulsive move. Which direction? This is the question of today. If you guys had to guess, are we going to go higher? Are we going to go lower? What do you guys think of this? pretty much zero volatility well i I would say this um for me it's not a question of where are we going to to go up it's more of a when and it's either up from here which is like if you look at the past tops and when bitcoin started topping with the price they were usually pretty volatile i mean whenever we do have a top it doesn't spend that much time ranging as it is right now uh and the 10k resistance that we've been touching since basically what october 2019 uh every other try that we have at breaking it resulted in a longer consolidation which means that it's getting weaker and weaker if you go strictly by the market structure yes we had each lower low each time uh i personally kind of like to do a mixture of both fundamental and technical analysis and i think that the drop to 3k that we had was was a black swan and was covid made and covid was the reason for it 
And uh, if we didn't have the COVID and, you know, all the other markets collapsing, I think we'll be already far beyond 10K as uh, as we were approaching it in February. But as we did, and we did re rebound to the same levels that we had before COVID, this only shows the strength of Bitcoin right now. The, the direction for me is clear. I mean, I don't see any reason right now for us to drop another 80 or 90%. Like the, the price has rebounded. It showed too much strength to justify another basically flash crash and another black swan uh, up, down, down to FK and even below. Going into qu quarter number four or maybe 2021, uh, I think this, we are, we are already in a new cycle and this is uh, not a place when I will be looking to short Bitcoin to the ground again. This is a place where I will be looking to build a long position as we will be going for the all-time high in the following years. Yeah, well, my, my point of view is I've been looking at the same uh, BDC range for a few weeks now, uh, but I have to admit that I'm not quite interested in, in, in trading Bitcoin uh, because I think that the real swings right now are are into alts, altcoins. I think that it's... Um, uh, it's it's not really where uh, where the the money can be made as of now. Well, obviously you can you can keep scalping and and trade those this uh, those micro moves, uh, but I think it's it's way more interesting to uh, to to monitor a couple of alts and try to play the obvious setups that are getting basically uh, played out as as it was uh, as it was before. From a personal point of view, I think we are going to to um, to to pump from here. I don't see really we we could see a breakdown, but I don't really expect a massive uh, retracement or or huge correction. I think that the next time we're going to retest uh, the 10k resistance is is probably final breach of this uh, goddamn it resistance. I'm I also have a bullish point of view on the legacy market. I think that. Uh, right now, from here, the SPX and uh, the Dow Jones might run towards their new ATH and and follow the the top uh, tech giants such as Amazon, uh, Tesla. I think they are all going to run towards their new ATH together. That's my that's my take on the on Bitcoin and on the markets overall. Okay, so to 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 keep it short, yes, I do agree with you guys. I do think that. Just the fact that we're here today, it means that we're very bullish on Bitcoin and, and its technology. So, of course, we are looking at the upper side. So, yeah, the macro trend is, of course, very, very bullish. You know, if you look at the monthly or weekly chart, it's it's very hard to be bearish. If we're looking at the shorter time frames like the daily, we do have a very strong range between sort of 10K and 8.5K. And I think that as long as we range inside here, it's very hard to guess what's, what's going to be the next short-term move. So if I have to keep it very, very simple, I think that if we do close below 8.5 thousand, I think that there is something negative happening in the market. There's a very likely possibility that we are looking at sort of mid-sevens. On the other hand, I think that the moment that we start closing above sort of 10, 10.5, at that point, it sort of means that we are breaking these resistances that we have been testing for probably months now. And this is, in my opinion, a strong enough bullish indicator that we are at least going to go test 12, 13K. Uh, until then, I think that it's hardly impossible to sort of grasp what's going to happen in the next shorter term, simply because when it comes to fundamentals, um, 
I don't really see any specific bullish or bearish catalyst that can affect the market. I think that the market from an FA perspective is quite neutral as we speak. So this is why I'm sticking 100% to charts. Simply, you know, we don't have backed, we don't have a, an, an ETF, we don't have the American government publicly trying to kill Bitcoin. So it's it, it's 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 a technical decision. And I think that until we have a specific close up or lower, it's, it's hard to guess where we're going next. And remember one thing, because we've been raging for what, two, a month, two months right now. Like wh whenever I go on Twitter right now, and I scroll down, it seems like we just went through the whole 2017, 18 and 19 all over again. When in reality, when you put on the daily chart, it turns out that we moved $50 from the 24 hours ago. So try not to over trade this as many people do, because this is, this is designed to chop you up and, you know, get you out of your position. So until we get a clear direction and you're going to know which is the direction, because the expansion from such a range is probably going to be pretty massive. You don't have to bet right now which which direction is going to go if you don't know. You can easily wait for the first move and then try to follow the trend. This this is a lot, a lot of people struggle with it and they just need and want to trade, but very often no no position is the best position you can get. I could not agree more. Look, I'm a huge trading junkie in a sense that I could very easily stay awake the entire night and trade the five minute time frame. And you guys know that it's probably one of my weaknesses, but I haven't been trading actively probably in weeks for the simple reason that every single time that you do have a bearish, a very bearish candle, you have the community freaking out. And then it's immediately followed by a bearish bullish candle. Everybody gets bullish, give it five minutes and it drop again. So this, this price action is here to kill you financially. So Yep, I agree completely. Uh, I think this is a good moment also touch on the BTC and SP500 correlation. For, for people that don't really know what SP500 is, SP500 is the average performance of the top 500 companies in the USA. So based on how these top 500 companies perform, you can get an idea more or less of how the economy is doing. And as I've just mentioned a few seconds ago, since Corona, uh, sort of appeared in the total global lockdown, these companies have been performing really, really badly because people haven't been buying laptops or cars or traveling as much and Bitcoin felt the consequences of it as well. We had a literally minute to minute rebound from Bitcoin's 3000 to our range right now. What is interesting in my opinion is the fact that if I had to guess, the upside for Bitcoin will definitely be a lot higher than the average economy mainly due, due to the limited supply of bitcoins um and you know there is only so much that these companies can grow within a, a limited amount of time another thing that is quite interesting that has been happening lately is that it's it, bitcoin it has been providing um forex traders with an edge for the simple reason that bitcoin is open 24 7 so it's open after you know the closing bell and it's open throughout the weekend. And typically, if Bitcoin performs badly during the weekend, on the opening bell on Monday, stonks tend to dump as well. On the other hand, if throughout the weekend, Bitcoin goes relatively well and it's quite bullish, um, the markets tend to be quite bullish as well. So it's it's been a very, very interesting correlation. Definitely provide a lot of hedge to, to, to traders that are a little bit more, more sneaky with, with their techniques. I think that it's 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 naive to assume that people that are on trading desk today in Wall Street that are trading uh, famous companies are also trading uh, Bitcoin and, and major cryptocurrencies because 
you know, the, the volatility of Bitcoin is as good, as tasty and profitable as, as Bitcoin from Forex. Um, do you guys assume that there's going to be this correlation for a long time between Bitcoin or, you know, cryptocurrencies and SP500? Or is this going to stop the moment that Bitcoin goes for, a, you know, for a so-called massive bull run? Uh, so for me, regarding a correlation between S- the S&P 500 and Bitcoin, even for correlation is in placation, uh, we need to 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 look at the macro picture of this, and it's quite obvious, as as Orangutan said it, that um, this massive drop in March was completely uh, caused by the coronavirus crisis. I mean, any single market reacted to this news. Uh, Bitcoin is not an asset that 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 could possibly uh, could possibly be an edge against this. Even gold basically dropped, so it's just a normal uh, market reaction to a black swan event. Before, before this, both markets were having a pretty good time. I mean, Bitcoin was uh, was around 10k. Uh, the SPX was printing a new ATH uh, almost each day. So, I mean, the correlation didn't start in March. If you if you look at it from from the, the people who likes to, to point it out perspective. It's something that that there were just two markets uh, training training higher and and were basically well for Bitcoin it was not really running towards its its ATH but I mean uh, the worst was definitely uh, behind uh, behind ourselves. Just because you see or you spot a correlation uh, doesn't mean that you will find uh, it, w- it won't apply a causation and I don't think that it will last forever but I, I think right now again I- I'm going to repeat my take but I think that if nothing if we don't go through another lockdown and if most of countries uh, basically uh, reopen their borders and the economy starts to uh, to get back to normal, I think that basically the SPX is gonna run towards uh, a, bre- a fresh new ATH, and I think that for Bitcoin is it's gonna be the same. I, I don't know how many how much time it's gonna take for Bitcoin. Uh, might takes a, a few months, or it might happen in a year from now. I don't know, but I think that well, uh, we'll see. Just we basic basically just see to. Uh, uh, to bullish uh, trending markets. That's that's just my take on it. And as far as I'm concerned, I'm not really interested in in analyzing whether they are uh, correlated or not. I mean, it's just uh, it's just gonna be consequence of uh, of a good fi- of a financial healthy situation for the world. Okay. So so to recap, we can I guess all agree that. The only reason that we did have a massive correlation and as a consequence of that, a massive dump between Bitcoin and SP500 was due to a black swan event, which in this case was a global pandemic. And that we are both, all of us, very optimistic on both the markets and Bitcoin. Actually, we are very optimistic in the sense that we might have a new all-time high as long as we don't have a so-called wave two wave with regards to, to COVID-19. So like I said... It's we obviously for our listeners we definitely have a very biased perspective because you know we are in crypto twenty four seven we literally breathe Bitcoin from the morning to night but 
Um, again, take this with, with a pinch of salt. And of course, this is not financial advice. So we have one more topic for this podcast. And this topic is about India lifting their ban uh, with regards to big uh, cryptocurrencies being illegal. So who does anybody here have a take on this? Is this is this going to have an impact on the market? Um, has India actually been trading Bitcoin even if it was illegal? Or will this actually open the gates to, to a new flood of retail investors? I, I got a short take on this. I mean, for me, this is the exactly same situation as we had with China since basically forever. I mean, I think I've seen already like four times, four different news, like running back and forth saying India is banning, then it's unbanning, then it's banning again Bitcoin. I think that this news has little to no impact on the market, just like the China news stopped having any kind of impact some time ago. Uh, and with the way that the world is finally turning forward to, to cryptocurrencies, I mean, the reputation and the companies and investors going into, into crypto are giving a much more positive outlook for the future. I don't think that any country would want to stay behind. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's in the it's in the interest, as you said, of every single government to take a very proactive and innovative approach to cryptocurrencies. Again, we are very biased, but I do believe that it's a matter of time before they will be adopted, you know, among everybody. Will this have a huge impact on Bitcoin's price? I don't know for two reasons. One of them is, you know, Indians have actively been using cryptocurrency regardless of the ban. You know, if, if you go on, on many websites like Fiverr, for example, where you can employ freelancers around the world, a lot of these freelancers, um, they do accept cryptocurrency payments, even though they are based in India. One of the reasons why we may not see a huge bump in price as we speak now at the beginning of July 2020 is because India, as we speak, is the second or third worst country when it comes to to COVID-19 cases. So they are in their peak of their pandemic as we speak and people are not trading as much. I mean like trading goods, like physical goods. People are not working as much. The economy is pretty much paused. So I think that, you know, the, the, the average uh, financial situation of the Indian citizen is arguably a little bit lower with regards to financial to, to the average American or European investor so i think that this is probably not their moment where they're gonna jump and buy bitcoin because they're probably keeping those funds for 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 other more important goods but maybe in a situation where yes this ban is actually lifted and the corona and the whole pandemic situation is fully resolved and the economy is under control maybe yes we will see um you know the gates open a little bit more and possibly see an impact in price as these people will be buying bitcoin on exchanges and not otc anymore um, what do you think, Monk? Will this have a big impact on the market? Or what's your general take on India and, and their bans that keep on changing? There is not much more to add, but it's just a normal consequence of Bitcoin being seen worldwide as just a new uh, institutional asset. And I don't see any reason why any country would just uh, avoid making potentially getting more money from taxing people trading Bitcoin. It would be just plain stupid, you know? Yeah, these news are easily absorbed by the market right now. The the, the impact of such news is really insignificant. It's, uh, it can be significant because it's, it's in a way maturing. Uh, that's, that's one of the 
one of the side effects of a maturing market in a way, even though, well, we know it's not uh, fully adopted uh, as uh, the, the new G digital goals are, are uh, as some people would say, but uh, it's definitely not a, a new asset behaving like a, a low-cap gym or uh, a fresh new uh, fresh new stock with no liquidity, no volume, you know. Does the sentiment also, the sentiment also change throughout the years? I mean, I remember when 2017, when Bitcoin first touched 3K and China announced that it's going to ban Bitcoin. It was like basically like the world was ending. It's like, this is, this, this is the top. We are going down again to 800, blah, blah, blah. Right now, whenever something happens, people are literally laughing at it. So uh, I think this speaks volume on how, how much of an impact any of this news right now can have. And Bitcoin has went through so much through, throughout the years right now that it really would need to take something stronger to have um, any kind of impact on the fundamentals values that right now already are proven and are probably stronger than ever. I mean, if this news came out in 2017 or 2016, we it, it would have exploded the price. You know, I remember that JP Morgan made a comment in August 2017, I think it was. And that alone was responsible for crashing the price for like two grand. I think that uh, if India, ba uh, you know, removes the ban completely, I don't think that we're going to see a massive dump and uh, a massive implications in the price. I think that, you know, we, we will need a news like, you know, the, that the official Bank of India is opening the gates to Bitcoin. And as long as you have a bank account there, you can safely access and store your Bitcoin. Yes, that will be huge. But I don't think that in 2020, almost 2021, um, having something like not having a ban anymore can have huge implications on the fundamentals of Bitcoin. As you said, this is one of the advantages of having an asset that it's maturing over time where something terrible like like a pandemic has to occur for to 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 drastically impact the price um i think that unless we have something else to say i wanted to think thank our listeners for for listening to our first podcast again as i've mentioned at the beginning if there is anything that you liked or something that you disliked please 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 uh, let us know so that we can sort of fine tune this podcast and make it absolutely perfect for you i think that it goes without saying that we are just three random dudes online talking about cryptocurrencies and bitcoin so everything that we say clearly is not financial advice and don't forget to subscribe on whatever platform you are right now and peace out enjoyed this episode of around the block Make sure you tune in for the next one. And don't forget all the free content awaiting you on our website. And if you can, please leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Thank you.